Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I think Kenny Pickett needs a nickname. I just don't like the name Kenny Pickett. It's kind of uninspiring. He needs something. To, and it yeah, can't be around pick, because obviously that's in the Right, that's the issue. He needs, to really, to he needs a marketing campaign. Special K? Special K. Touchdown sure Kenny. K Money? K no. Money? Yeah, I'm not sure. It needs to be something unrelated to his name, probably like the Iceman or something. And we'll Kenny. find a nickname for Kenny Pickett. <laughs> and Kenny. then Kenny! Uh, <laughs> new look Steelers offense. But we'll start with a guy who used to play for the Steelers and now will play you against the Steelers Kenny. in James Conner. You killed us, Kenny. <laughs> Was you talking about yeah. South Park? Yeah. Yeah. We, we go down the South, South Park, Park Road yeah. on this show once in a while. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, blame Canada. <laughs> Fantasy Football Happy Hour with Matthew Berry, served by Applebee's. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Happy Hour. It's love-hate day for Week 13. I'm Connor Rogers alongside Matthew Berry and Jay Croucher. Before we do anything, guys, anything, we got to shout out Kevin Chan. He's listened to us. Oh, yeah, Kevin Chan. It's Spotify rap season. KC. For those that don't know, yes. KC. KC is his nickname. He's listened to us for 81 hours this year. For some reason. So he drinks much. free today. Shout out to Kevin. Kevin was also a uh, promoter of the promo code Connor5, the viral promo code Connor5 yeah. uh, that sold many copies of the Roto World Draft. That's guy. so much Methuselah chat yeah. that he has devoured into yes. his earballs. Popcorn tough, chewing. Uh, tough loss for uh, the, the J10 fans out there. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's, they're out that's there a, too. I know they are. Yeah. It's not as in numbers, but yeah. there's a revolution coming. They're swelling. <laughs> the numbers are swelling. Next yeah. year we'll rerun we'll the promos. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll see, but. Uh, Kevin, it was really nice to see everyone send us their Spotify rap and that they, you know, we were their most listened to, their second most listened to, their third most, whatever it was. But we, we got a number of people where we were their top spot. Really appreciate that. Means a lot. Um, but I don't think I've done anything. I mean, I may not have slept for 81 hours this year. Um, and uh, for Kevin to have listened to this show for 81 hours, you know who hasn't listened to this show for 81 hours? Your wife. Well, my wife. <laughs> Producer Pete. I was going to say Pete next. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's where I was back going. Back producer oh. Pete definitely hasn't listened to this for 81 hours. So anyway, Kevin Chan, if you'd like to produce the show, let us know. Uh, next Happy year. birthday to Pete, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, it was actually, it's Pete's it's birthday Pete's, this week. Pete's birthday yesterday, so uh, we do love Pete. Uh, but we really love Kevin Chan. You drink free today, brother. Thank you so much. Appreciate everyone. Keep sending him in. See if you, I, I'd love to see if anyone can beat 81 hours. Yeah, it's yeah. impressive. However it's many uh, number, minutes that is. He but, might have uh, actually watched the marathon on Peacock when we had the <laughs> – 24 hours of fantasy football happy hour that one time. He might have He might have been that guy. He might have been that guy. With that, we'll jump into the Roto World player news because we have a lot of player news. For all of your player news, go to NBCSports.com. And here are the notable injuries we're tracking. Not just one full screen of them, but two. Let's start with this. Tyreek Hill did not practice on Wednesday with an ankle. Raheem Mostert did not practice with ankle and knee. Uh, Trey McBride, Keenan Allen, Rashid Shaheed, Dorian Thompson-Robinson is in concussion protocol. Amari Cooper with the rib injury. Kareem Hunt, Tank Dell, Dalton Schultz. All of these players 
did not practice. I think with Tyreek, it could be some veteran rest, though, Barry. I think I think I say same with Mostert. Tank Dell's a little uh, little concerning. Keenan Allen's missed a bunch of Wednesdays in a row. Not really worried about that as well. Uh, Aaron Jones, we're hoping to get him back this week, but again, he did not practice. AJ Dillon has a groin. Uh, Pop Douglas in concussion protocol. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, my love list is coming out. This is the love hate day. I'll just tell you that Demario Douglas is on my love list, but again, needs to clear the concussion protocol. Obviously, that's in the. Uh, and then Chris Olave, we're not expecting him or Rashid Shahid. It is. It is AT Perry week here yeah. at the. Uh, Let's say with the happy love hours. And then they're at the at the. You know, again, I'm not worried about the the, the Eagles or or you know, but. Uh, Devon Achan, obviously, great to see him back out on the practice field. He was limited yesterday. But look at the very bottom, Connor Rogers. It's alive. And it, it, it actually it had been 24 hours since we talked about Aaron Rodgers, so had to make sure he was back in the headlines. He's here. Pra- limited in practice. Limited in practice. <laughs> Not clear. Jersey, throwing some balls right. around. Not clear for contact. I love that it says Achilles on there, like it just to kind of reinforce right. the man is back from – Three months oh, on Achilles. So insane. To me, the the smoking gun with Rogers is when Jay Glazer reported that Rogers, when he comes back, he's not going to be himself. He's not going to be able to move around. But if he can just operate from a kind of a tight pocket, it's like that's not how football works. No, <laughs> so like, not you this can't game. Just step back. Right. Through the Has he Rivers. not watched the Jets' offensive right. line play one snap this he's gonna year? He's going to be running for his life against who? It doesn't matter if they're playing the Commanders, who have no pass rush. They're still going to be guys running at him. He's going to have to move around. And then when he went on McAfee and kind of hedged it, because there was a report that he's coming back regardless of the Jets' playoff position. And then on McAfee, he said, well, we need to be in the mix. So I was like, well, what are you really saying, Aaron? Because I don't think you're coming back. Yeah, yeah don't hold back. your breath on that one necessarily. Uh, yeah, he's definitely not coming back. By the way, I also am not cleared for contact, <laughs> yeah. just FYI. Yes. Yeah, treat, put me in bubble wrap. You know who might be genuinely coming back off the couch? Joe Flacco has yes. been named the backup quarterback for DTR, but DTR – it's a tough go for P.J. Walker. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, to be fair, but... P.J. Walker might have been... I, I, Tim Boyle played better than P.J. Walker yes. did last week, I thought. P.J. Walker was very tough bad. Go. He's been unplayable. He's He had some moments last year in Carolina. Yeah, he sure, had some real sure. moments. Great story. He's not really had moments this year. And I think the fact that they're going to bring in Flacco and make him the, the presumptive starter if DTR can't go, and we expect he probably won't go, uh, I think that says a lot about where P.J. Walker is at. Uh, but, I mean, what do you think this does, Matthew, for Amari Cooper, if he can go? Also on the injury report, Elijah Moore and company. I know this is going to sound insane. I think it's an upgrade. I agree. I, I think it's an upgrade. Like, again, like, do we think Joe Flacco is great? No. Do we think he's elite? No. Not at this stage of his career. We can debate that from earlier in his career. But the fact is, is that he is a at least semi-professional quarterback in terms of being able to in terms of being able to go through his progressions in terms of being able to deliver a ball on time being able to understand where quarterbacks are going I'm sorry where wide receivers are going with their routes and just DTR just isn't there yet in his career he's a, he's a rookie he was a late round rookie he was drafted Connor correct me if I'm wrong he was drafted as a developmental project yeah. now he had a really nice preseason give the kid credit and he's certainly athletic but the fact is is that as a passer he's still developing he is and he just needs time I know he, he was at four and a half year starter at UCLA, but it's a lot different in the pack, especially in Chip Kelly's offense. And when you look at him right now, the speed, especially in the AFC North right now, it just looked a little overwhelmed. He can make plays with his legs, but to expect him to get that passing game full throttle was a little bit much. Yeah, I thought he actually looked good against Denver. I thought that was a real improvement. He was positive EPA per play. He was solid in that game. And then he obviously gets knocked out of it. But Flacco, to me, I mean, last year, I mean, he had some moments early on. I think the Cleveland game in he particular. Just put up. Well, that's the thing. I remember the Buffalo game he came into late in the can't season. Move. Like, he's just so statuesque. 
Yeah, he can't move, but he could throw on time and with yeah. anticipation, and the arm strength is great. It's just a matter. The Browns typically, and I know they've had a lot of injuries this year, typically have a decent offensive line that you hope it would look a little better, but he's not a guy that can escape or. or no, but you know what? But there. you know what he can do? He can be a game manager, yes. which honestly, given how good that defense is, they're still, what, I think the Browns are what, 7-4, and four, yep. right? I mean, the, the, the Browns are still very much alive in the playoff mix. And, like, if you can just literally be a game manager with that defense, hand the ball off, th- you know, convert some third downs, which Flacco, I think, is certainly capable of. I think he actually, I wonder, so funny, I, I wonder if, um, uh, was it the Browns game that Flacco had that monster? Like, it was yeah. a 26-point, uh, it was like the crazy comeback for the Jets yeah, they last year. Twice Nick, like Nick Chubb didn't go down. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe that was the only film that the Browns watched. <laughs> yeah. They're like, oh, Flacco kills us. we got to get yeah. him on our team. Yeah, yeah. I do didn't think realize well, all the other games where he was bad it, last year. But It's a reasonable matchup against the Rams, too, because Browns are hurting at tackle, but their interior of the offensive line is really strong. And with the Rams, it's really just Aaron Donald who right. lines up on the interior, and they don't have a good secondary. So I do think Flacco might have some moments uh, if he is. I actually, going to look, go. I have Amari Cooper in uh, in a dynasty league, and I'm rooting for Joe Flacco. Yeah, I mean, let's honestly, go. somebody like I, I mean, I've Flacco had some injuries, and uh, in the, in that league, that's the league where I lost. You know, I lost Joe Burrow. I'm not going to have Ken Walker tonight. I'm not going to have you know Aaron Jones. I've, it's it's all my college buddies. It's like it's 12 teams, 18 man keepers. Like it's, it's super deep, and so it's just. There's nothing out there on the waiver wire. Right? Yeah. You know? One so it's kind of those things. So, like, you need the guys that you have to be able to perform. So, like, we've been having to roll – me and my college roommate, we, we co-own the team together, and we've had to roll out Amari Cooper every single week, no matter who's throwing in the ball, because we don't have anyone better. One thing you briefly still mentioned in first there. Place, so I just want to bring that up. <laughs> of course. Because, honestly, some of my college buddies, still, they watch the show. They'll text me. I'm watching the show right now. They're still – you know, so just – I mean, you know, listen. I, I lost Joe Burrow. I lost Ken Walker. I lost Aaron Jones. And yet – you bastards also losing me, so just, you know, something to think about. <laughs> you briefly but, uh, mentioned it. Uh, Kenneth, Kenneth Walker ago. is doubtful for Thursday Night Football against the Cowboys. He was not on our injury graphics. He's not expected to play. We'll get more into Zach Charbonnet in just a bit during Love Hate. Mm. One last piece of news. The Athletics' Jeff Howe reports the Patriots are preparing Bailey Zappi to start against the Chargers in Week 13. Jay, are you fired up for Bailey Zappi? Uh, I'm not. I'm not fired up for <laughs> Bailey Zappi, uh, unfortunately. So, Bailey Zappi's taken 71 snaps this season. They've been 71 really bad snaps. He hasn't <laughs> really played well at all. I think the, the fake spike interception against the Colts will go down uh, in infamy. Now, at least it's different, right? At least it's different. Because whatever okay. Mac Jones is doing wasn't working. Now, we'll see what happens with Pop Douglas. He's got no weapons whatsoever to throw to Bailey Zappi. So, I think this is probably just... I mean, it might be slightly better news for Ramondre and Zeke just because they're more inclined to run the ball, but I think this is largely much to do about nothing. Probably is. A couple of things to consider here, though. I think, again, if you sort of think about how, and Connor, you can speak to this too because I know you're at Jets practice all the time, but like, I don't think people out there really fully understand how NFL practices go. And so the fact is, is that Mac Jones, for the majority of the season, has gotten all the first-team reps, often the backups, Will, if they get any reps, if the backups get reps, it's with the practice squad guys going against the first team defense. You know, I mean, like they, they don't get they don't get a lot of quote first team reps where they're where they're getting to throw to Devontae Parker or Hunter Henry or Pop Douglas. Like, you know, and so maybe they get literally like five throws a game. It sounds insane. Like five throws of practice. Like it sounds insane, but like it's very real. I, it's but you know, so the fact that they're saying, hey, we're gonna like Bailey Zappi's had to come in, but every single week that he's had to come in, and not that he hasn't prepared or that he, you know, I'm not saying that, but just there's a, I think there is a difference mindset 
and it's just reps, man. Like, especially if you're inexperienced, which both these guys are, Mack and, and Bailey Zappi, they're both young players. So Bailey Zappi, who's, I think, isn't he a second-year player? Yeah, he yeah he's a second-year player, you know, who's like, what, fourth-run pick out of Western Day Kentucky? Day three pick, yeah. Day three pick out of Western Kentucky, I think, right? He's had a ton of passing records in, yeah. in college. Yeah, and, 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 and so my point is, is that, you know, like, it's one thing to be like, hey, you got literally like 15 pass attempts over the course of a week, and now you've got to get in there down two touchdowns versus, hey, we're going to prepare this game plan for what we think you do well. We're going to try to hide what we don't think you do well, and you're the guy this week, all the first-team reps. I'm not saying Bailey Zappi is going to go out there and light it up, but I do think there's at least some cautious optimism that he'll at least be better than what we've seen so far. Now, that may be, you know, instead of a two, he's a three. <laughs> I mean, you know I mean? Like, you know, I'm damning with faint praise here, but I think the last thing to consider here is that if he goes off, I mean, you know, think about Zappy Hour. Think about the amazing dad puns. <laughs> it is we a can content do, machine. Right? I mean, yeah, like yeah. it is. It's like welcome into the Zappy Hour. Here at the Zappy Hour, we drink free. Yes. You know, Zappy birthday, everyone. What you can do with like, the letter Z. Yeah, well. there's just a lot of like. It's a great I, name. I just don't. I, it's weird because you know you're a dad. You have three young children, but you're just you're not fully in dad joke mode yet. And no. I just feel like I, you just kind of you, you don't. Bailey Zappi could push me there. Yeah, he could push me over the line. That's what I might need. I might need him to take down the charges, and then I'll get there. Get to your level. The weird part is, is I bet you I will say this. Um, jokes aside, that I think I, I wouldn't be surprised if you see some Malik Cunningham as well. That they try to mix and match. They re-signed Will Greer. It's weird because I've heard from some beat reporters that they really liked Will Greer, and then they released him. And yeah. Then, of course, on the other hand, they released Bailey Zappi in the preseason, and now he's starting from this week. Yeah. So and They've cut Malik Cunningham this year, too, at times. Bill Belichick so. seems obsessed with this 2QB thing. He clearly didn't watch Friday Night Lights with yeah. Matt Saracen and J.D. McCoy, so that didn't work out then. Mm. Uh, and it's not working out for the Patriots either. Now, favorable matchup, to be fair, against the Chargers defense, so that is one They've thing. been better-ish. Bit. Yeah, they better-ish. were okay against Baltimore. Yeah. But I just think back to how bad they looked against Detroit, I pretty know. reasonably, yes. and then how bad Detroit looked against Green yeah. Bay. You won't find me so. carrying the Brandon Staley <laughs> yeah. flag on anyway, the show. <laughs> it just, I, I don't, it, I, it, we've spent more time on this than we probably should have. Um, but, uh, yeah, looks like there's a change. I do like uh, Pop Douglas if he clears concussion protocol. If not, I do think Devontae Parker could just get some cheap volume here. But you're right, it's, it's likely the running backs. With that, let's jump into the running backs, love-hate edition. And, of course, yesterday we went in-depth on the Jonathan Taylor situation as we have during the week and what that means for Zach Moss. And we got to hear from Colts head coach Shane Steichen on his confidence in Moss for these next couple of games. See how Connor leaned forward right there? Obviously, when JT wasn't with us early in the season, you know, Zach carried the load, and uh, that's what we expect, you know, going forward with him until we get JT back. I think he's very nimble. Like, when he's going through, he's very patient. He sees it. He presses the holes. And then when he does get out in space, he's able to break tackles and create those explosives, uh, which is awesome to see. And he's been awesome for us all year uh, and obviously excited for him, you know, these next, you know, however long. Been a great first year for head coach Shane Steichen, Jay. You and I were talking about this a little bit. Uh, in a private text thread yes, recently. Yes, Matthew didn't get uh, didn't get those uh, notifications. Now, I, Shane Steichen to me. If I had to vote for Coach of the Year, and strangely I don't, but if I did, uh, I think he might be my pick. This team is 6-5. and five. They've so little talent. They lost the starting quarterback, and they just keep on rolling. They've dealt with the Jonathan Taylor saga to start the year, and now he's hurt, and here comes Zach Moss, who quietly has been basically just as effective as Jonathan Taylor when he's been on the field. He's been really good. Uh, and so I think that they really shouldn't miss a beat in the running game. And they go up against the Titans' run defense, which is still good, but not the unit that it was last year, Matthew. No, and that includes Zach Moss torching them for um, 
uh, over uh, almost 200 total yards and two touchdowns the last time he faced uh, the Titans. They've allowed, by the way, a rushing touchdown in four of the past five games. Zach Moss comes in at running back six for me this week as well. In the games in which Jonathan Taylor has been out, Zach Moss has an 84% snap rate. He's averaging over 24 touches a game, um, over 120 yards from scrimmage in those games. Yeah, all aboard Zach Moss. Next up here, You've Bijan. been lost. Yeah. That's what he should do. Yeah. Yeah. He should do. He should. When he scores Claiming a touchdown, he should, you know, why not? Why that? Yeah. That do it, Zach. Thing. Do it. Yeah. Our next one here, Bijan Robinson, who is finally getting a bit of a commitment from Arthur Smith. Back-to-back games with 19 touches. We talked about it yesterday, guys. The Jets' run defense the last couple of weeks has been shaky. The loss of Al Woods. This defense is always on the field. And Matthew... That makes you a believer in Bijan this week against the Jets. Yeah, you're always nervous that Arthur Smith is just going to try to get too cute, but <laughs> there's at least some consistency back-to-back games, as we've talked about, with 19 touches. He had only two such games in the first nine weeks of the season, which is sort of insane to think about the guy with the, that the eighth overall pick was used on. But what's exciting, though, is they're starting to use him in the red zone, in the green zone. Last two weeks, he's got three touches inside an opponent's 10-yard line. He had just three such touches in his first nine games. So they're using him more in the red zone and green zone. They're using him more in the passing attack as well. Jets allow 135 rushing yards to running backs over the past three games, to your point, uh, uh, Connor. So, yeah, Bijan Robinson should get at least 15 touches in this game. And as we've said, back-to-back games with 19 touches. And when he gets at least 15 touches, he averages over 18 fantasy points per game. Bijan Robinson comes in at running back nine for me this week. Yep, I like that. And a big thing, too, is that just being opposite Tim Boyle, you're very likely going to have the ball more often than the Jets do. The Jets rank 31st in time of possession. They only had the ball for 24 minutes against the Dolphins. One thing, though, Connor, is that the past couple of days, you know the team that has been eviscerated in the betting market by Sharps more than anyone else? The New York Jets, who were down, I think they were three-point dogs at one point. Now it's coming down to one and a half. So people in the market like the Jets are at least like their ability to keep their close. They don't like Desmond Ritter. Yes. That's literally what that is. Yeah, yeah. It's a blockbuster matchup. Much like everybody that plays quarterback for the Jets, Zach Wilson, Tim Boyle, at some point Trevor Simeon, Desmond Ritter can also lose you any game. Yes. No, I like that. That's an interesting one, though. All right. Our next running back here, Rashad White. Daniel Hackett versus Arthur Smith. This is quite the – Who could outthink themselves? Whoever wins, we lose. Yeah, Yeah. right. Exactly. Rashad White comes in on the love list this week. I feel like there's a trend here, Matthew, where if a running back has the Panthers on deck, the, that running back's going to be on the love list. So enter the fray, Rashad White. Starting to figure out my secrets, are you? Yes, yeah. I'm on to you. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. like, you know what? Like, just because it's obvious doesn't mean it's not true. Uh, the fact is, is that running backs that have seen at least 15 touches against those Carolina Panthers are averaging over 21 fantasy points per game. In fact, nine of the ten running backs to see at least 15 touches against the Carolina Panthers have scored at least one touchdown, right? Nine of ten. There's only one guy that, you, that can't say that. It's 90% of them. 90%. Look at Connor doing math in his head. He's like <laughs> a young Matthew Berry over there. And then what I will tell you is that Rashad White has had at least 15 touches. That's our magic number against Carolina. Rashad White has had at least 15 touches in every game this year but one. So in a game in which the Buccaneers need, it's a divisional game. I don't think the firing of Frank Reich is going to improve the Panthers overnight. So I actually don't think Frank Reich was the issue. Uh, so, yeah. Give me Rashad White as a top 12 play this week. He is on the love list. Yeah. So here's how bad the Carolina Panthers' run defense is at the moment. So in terms of efficiency, you're generally better off throwing than passing just because you can gain more yards by throwing the ball generally. But 
the Panthers' run defense is so bad that it's actually more efficient to run a running play against the Panthers than it is for Lamar Jackson to throw a pass. So that's how bad they've been. It's like you're better off just running the ball against Carolina than Lamar Jackson throwing passes. So they've been the worst in the league by margin. Uh, and I don't think... And the other thing, too, is that when you're opposite Bryce Young, you're probably going to have the ball plenty. So I think that Rashad White should have a good game in a non-Ponzi scheme PPR type of way. A couple others receiving votes here. Jalen Warren, Najee Harris, Devin Singletary. Some people call him Motor, Matthew Berry. So, uh, Jay, both the Steelers running backs on here. How conflicted are you? Matthew has Warren, RB18, Najee, RB20. Sacrilegious, Matthew, after what they showed last week. You still think Warren is the guy after he fumbled and uh, Najee doubled his yards and got in the end zone despite having the same number of carries? I think he's Basically. just more involved in the passing game here. Yeah, I mean, if I was putting, placing an anytime touchdown bet, I'd probably put it on Harris sure. over Warren, of course. But the fact is I have both guys as top 20 plays against Arizona. 142 rushing yards per game. That is what the Cardinals have give up, given up over the last four weeks. In fact, teams facing the Cardinals over the last four weeks are averaging 31 running back rushes per game. We saw what Kyron Williams did to them last week as well. So I expect both guys to get a heavy workload. And yeah, Motor Singletary played 81% of the snaps last week, even though Damian Pierce was back. No team in the NFL allows a higher yards per carry to opposing running backs this season than the Denver Broncos. They're giving up 5.8 yards per clip. Give me Motor Singletary. People call me Motor. People call him Motor. Same skill set. Very same skill set. Yeah. Yes. Very similar. Yeah. Nothing to add there from me. All right. Then we'll go to the hate list. (laughs) It's led by Joe Mixon against Jacksonville. Matthew Joe Mixon still a top 20 play this week, but the matchup not so great for him, especially in a Jake Browning-led Bengals offense. Yeah. I mean, look, it's love-hate. So you have to put guys on the hate list because that's the gig. That's the premise. This is, this is the mistake that I made in 1999 when I came up with this after five minutes of thinking about it, not thinking that I would be doing it for the next, you know, two and a half decades. But so I think you still have to start Joe Mixon this week because he's going to get a lot of work in a week in which there are six teams on a bye. Having said that, I would lower expectations. He's not had a game with a snap rate above 70% since week two, right? Um, since Cam Hayward, uh, I'm sorry, uh, I take that back. I'm looking at the wrong note there for a second. Look, the fact is, the matter is, is that I still believe this, right? You still need to start mixing. I have been running back 19 because there's six teams on a bye. But I would lower expectations against the Jaguars, who have allowed the fewest rushing yards per game to opposing running backs. Jaguars have allowed only three touchdowns to running backs in 11 games this year's and uh, this season. And one of them was Kyle Juszczyk. So, I mean, like, it's just stuff. I mean, the... Like again, KJ. he just I just I would lower expectations for Mixon. I'm just barely inside my top twenty. Not crazy about um, you see it there on your screen with the Jaguars. The fewest rushing yards allowed to running backs. I think that's key. They faced a lot of uh, mobile quarterbacks and they've given up some r- yards. So if you're looking at just rushing yards total, but in terms of just specifically to running backs, they are the best defense in the NFL. So Mixon on the hate list. But again, you're probably still starting him. Eight point dogs as well in that game. So probably not a good game script. Not great. All right, tonight's game. Zach Charbonnet, we talked about it earlier. I nope. had a moment there. Like, I'm like, because I have these, I, you know, I, I write all this stuff every overnight, right? I, I write it, and it's, it's in there. But I have, like, notes here just to sort of refer to. And, like, you ever, you ever like, when you're super tired and you're just, like, you know, the, the wheels turn, but, like, slowly, like, there's kind of cogs? And so I'm sitting there going, like, and I'm starting to read it, and I'm like, Cam Hayward doesn't play <laughs> on the Jaguars. <laughs> hey, that's, that makes no sense. Wait, hang on. Cam Hayward's on the Steelers. And I just talked about Jalen Warren and Najee Harris on the Steelers when they play Arizona, but Joe Mixon is in Arizona. So all this is like going, you know what I mean? Like just like all, Wolf of Wall Street. 
Very, when he takes a very certain something on the plane. That's right. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Exactly. And then, right, that was me driving the, was it a Ferrari? Driving the, yeah. whatever the car back, you know, like. Yes. Yeah. The internal wheels and synapses of Barry. Yeah, exactly. Frightening like, to think about what's Kevin going on Hayward, in there. Yeah, no Joe one Nixon. <laughs> yeah. And the issue is, is like it's all gummed up with popcorn. Yesterday was free popcorn day yep. here at NBC. Uh, so classic like, Wednesday. So anyway, it's all gummed up. With think of it. your brain swimming around in a pool of diet soda as uh, well. It's probably. It, you've had so much over the journey that it makes its way upwards instead of uh, down. I would think point. so. Yeah, it's a mistake. Anyway. So back to Zach Charbonnet. No Kenneth Walker, yeah. uh, we think. I mean, he's doubtful for tonight here, Jay. Charbonnet, you don't love this matchup with Seattle. They're nine-point dogs. They got Dallas. They're at Dallas. But Charbonnet needs to be a volume guy involved here, but makes the hate list, I would assume, for Matthew because of some of that matchup concern. Yeah, tough matchup. They're almost 10-point underdogs at this point. Geno Smith seems like he's still banged up potentially. So Charbonnet's going to have to do it through just falling into the end zone and then I think also getting receiving work or just one. breaking a run as well. And he can do that. The Cowboys have a good rushing defense. It's not elite, though. It's not a top-five rushing defense. So I think that Charbonnet is still a play uh, as a flex low-end RB2 just through volume, but you know, I wouldn't be expecting 100 rushing yards. Or He's anything. running back 22 for me, so I have him in the exact same place as well. One of the concerns, though, is, he, well, hey, volume will get him there, and hey, he's going to, you know, even if they're down, he's their third down back. He actually only played 54% of third downs last week. Yeah. So that was the other concern. Is that So um, so going against an elite Cowboys defense as well, they've allowed 78 yards from scrimmage, which isn't a ton, but they've allowed more than 78 yards from scrimmage to only two running backs this entire season, so... Charbonnet just outside my top 20. I hope I'm wrong on this one because I have to start Charbonnet in a, in a league in which I'm decimated at running back. I'm starting him actually in two leagues because of bye weeks issue, issues in one and um, injuries in another, but um, I'm not hopeful. Our last one here, James Conner. He has Cam Hayward's Pittsburgh Steelers, Matthew. See, that's what I was thinking about. Right. Um, look, this is a guy that hasn't seen a snap rate above 70% since week five. That was another one where I was just like, wait a minute. I know Joe Mixon's <laughs> – I mean, that's the whole volume. Anyway, blah, blah, blah. A bunch of Diet Coke and popcorn in there. Anyway, last week two, that was the last time James Conner had a snap rate above 70% as well. In the three games since returning – He's had only 44% of the team's goal line carries. They've actually brought in Clayton Toon a few times to do kind of the brotherly shove, the tush push as well. Pittsburgh, since Cam Hayward returned in week nine, they're top seven in the NFL in terms of rushing yards and yards per carry allowed to running backs fewest, obviously. So it's a good run defense. Connor isn't involved in the passing game. He's, you know, he's a 50-50 shot to get any goal line work as well. In a game in which I think the Cardinals struggle to move the ball, he's running back 26. Again, you may not be able to turn down the volume because he is, he will likely get 15 touches in this game. But again, lowering expectations. The other thing too is just Kyler Murray runs the ball himself a lot. And I know yes. Josh Dobbs was manning the offense and he runs too, but not as much as Kyler Murray. And so Kyler Murray, particularly at the goal line, and he's already done this, is going to steal touchdowns from Connor. We're taking our first break. When we're back, love-hate continues with the pass catchers and the quarterbacks right after this. While no one knows what tomorrow may bring, Bridgestone is working toward a more positive outlook. With innovations like developing a tire using 75% recycled and renewable materials. It's just one of the many ways Bridgestone is making a difference today, for generations to come. Because that's what really matters. Bridgestone, solutions for your journey. Visit whatreallymatters.com to learn more. 
Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. You at all that you guys are the favorites going into this game? If they're the home team, they, they've lost one game, but you're the favorites? Yeah, I mean, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but I don't really know how that stuff works, so um, I don't really know why. But it is random. Need some help figuring it all out? Add Bet the Edge to your weekly game prep. Join Jay and Drew Dinzik as they tackle the biggest games from every angle in the NFL, NBA, and more. So whether you're targeting spreads and totals, looking for value in futures markets, or circling player props, Jay and Drew have you covered with new episodes every weekday at 6 a.m. Eastern. One guy that might be playing a factor in that line here as we kick off love-hate pass catchers. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Brandon Ayuk. 6 a.m. Eastern? When do you tape that thing? The day before. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's all done for TV. Oh, good God. Yeah. 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 Like, that's, all right. Yeah, Brandon Ayuk. Good. We're talking about Brandon Ayuk. <laughs> so fast. Uh, yeah. He's very fast. Brandon Ayuk is my wide receiver seven as we see him just absolutely balling out here. I do love the fact that our show has NFL footage. Uh, since week eight, the Eagles allow 52.3 fantasy points per game to wide receivers. That is the most in the NFL. In fact, they've given up over 225 yards and multiple touchdowns to wide receivers in three of the last four games uh, since week eight as well. Tyree Kill, that's the entire list of players that uh, have have a better yards per route run this season than Brandon Ayuk, who, as you see on your screen there, comes in at number seven for me. He's on the love list. Give me Brandon Ayuk. Poor Kyle Shanahan doesn't understand how the lines are made. No, he doesn't. You think he's onto something, Jay? Well, yeah. Did, did they just all spit it out? It yeah. is. It's just a random it's number generator, and that's why the Cardinals are three touchdown favorites over the 49ers <laughs> uh, in a couple of weeks. Uh, but no, Kyle, if you ever want to sit down, give me a call. I'd be happy to talk Brock Purdy's MVP campaign and uh, how lines work. Uh, David Lombardi, who does a really good job at The Athletic covering the 49ers. And yep. I think he's actually the only man in America pushing Brock Purdy MVP propaganda more than myself. But he had a really good article there about this matchup and how the Eagles, the one place they struggle more than any other, is passes to the middle of the field. You know who loves to run over the middle of the field is Brandon Ayuk. You know who's really good at throwing over the middle of the field with these timing routes? Brock Purdy. So if ever there was a week for Brandon Ayuk, it is this one. The only thing is going to be a little bit of rain in Philadelphia, and Brock did not look great in the rain against Cleveland, but it's not going to be too heavy, and I think ultimately he'll be a monster this week, Ayuk. Yeah, totally agree. By the way, I, people are like, I can't believe the, the, the Niners are, whatever, two and a half, three point three now. It's, yeah, it's up right. to three. Uh, our three-point favorites, and I'm like, is it because they've watched football? <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, like seriously, like the Eagles. I know the Eagles are ten and one, but they're they're an MVS pass, a Gabe Davis correct route, and um, Dallas converting from first and to Dallas, five on the six, and, and or just honestly, Luke Schoonmaker's touchdown being called correctly because um, he was on the the the, the ball. 
you know, yep. the ball. Yep. Anyway, we, we well, don't have to do that whole thing. Yeah. Right, Dak I mean, stepping out. They're like, they're e- they could easily be 8-4 and four or whatever it is, right? You know, yeah, they could four. have a couple more losses. I mean, yeah. they're still an excellent team. This isn't the Vikings of last year. Oh, no, the no, Eagles no. are a, a top five team. team in the league, They're a very no good question. team. But, but they're not the best team. The Niners are the best team, I think, and that's what the market thinks. And the Niners, the one time they've been fully healthy and played a good team this year, they beat Dallas 42-10. to uh, and the Eagles did not beat Dallas 42-10. to 10. And I think, uh, ultimately, this is where it runs out for Philly. And look, they're still probably going to get the one seed. They're still in great position to win the Super Bowl. But off extended rest, I think the Niners, at full strength, having thought about this game since last year, since the NFC title game, where they didn't get a fair crack at Philly because Brock Purdy uh, did his elbow, I think this is going to be a big day for the Niners. Yep. Completely agree. Our next one here, Jalen Waddell, another wide receiver that comes in Barry's top 10 rankings this week, Jay. And with Waddell, I mean, he's somebody that we kind of overlooked the first couple months of the season. Even the Dolphins did. He just wasn't getting those consistent big performances. But feels like he's turned it on lately, and he's got a great, great matchup against the Commanders. Yeah, I think the thing is, is that he just wasn't healthy in the first month of the season. And then it wasn't until the New England game uh, in seven games into the season for him where he topped 86 yards. He went eight for 114, caught every pass uh, that he was thrown against the Jets. And now, Matthew, against your commanders, I mean... They've just got nothing. They've got nothing left on defense. Losing Sweat, losing Chase Young. The secondary was already a weakness. And, I mean, it just felt like target practice for Dak Prescott on Thanksgiving. No team in the NFL has allowed more touchdowns to opposing wide receivers than my Washington Commanders. Hail the Commanders. Hail victory. Um, Hail defeat. Exactly, right? Wide receivers that have seen at least seven targets against Washington are averaging over 22 fantasy points per game. And so Jalen Waddell, who has... Uh, a 24% target share over the last month. He's averaging eight and a half targets per game. Should be in for a huge game here. I am as a top 10 play this week. Obviously, Tyreek um, is going to have a monster game as well. And just because this is the love-hate show, and because I, on Monday I did my little rant about Dan Snyder and David Tepper, everything like that, I revisited. Because, you know, it's interesting. You, you'd think that, you know, when I was able to express all of that, about uh, Snyder and how dare they mention David Tepper in the same breath as Daniel Snyder because he's nowhere near as bad as Snyder. You'd think me like spewing all that would let it get out of my system, but in fact, what actually happened was that it just got me more angry because after we got off the air and I started watching the clips back on social, I forgot all these things that I forgot to bring up because I was just doing it in the moment of stuff. And so my love hate open this week is all the stuff that I oh, is all the stuff that I forgot. Oh, it's the gift that keeps with, on giving. It really is. I mean, there's all the, you know, there's some of the, the greatest hits, the, you know, the investigated by the DEA, the, the Sean Taylor <laughs> mannequin, mannequin, right? Man, you know, exactly. The, having testified before Congress, the, the $1.6 million, you know, paid off to a team employee, you know, to, to, to settle a sexual harassment claim. The other sexual harassment, anyway, just all that stuff, the naked cheerleaders, you know, that they, the, so, so creepy. But, um, but then there were, some, there were some ones that I'd forgotten. There were, like, did you know that Daniel Snyder, and the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the Washington professional football team sued their season ticket holders. <laughs> uh, there, was a, there was a 72-year-old grandmother who had been a season ticket holder for almost 50 years. But during the, uh, she ran a real estate business, and during the pandemic, her, she really struggled with finances. She had, like, two suites, and so she, she was just like, I can't pay my season tickets. Can I give them up? And they were like, no, you signed a 10-year lease, and they, you know, you signed a 10-year contract to have these season tickets, and they sued her for $64,000. Yeah. Again, Daniel Snyder's worth, you know, many billions of dollars, but they sued a 72-year-old woman, a 72-year-old grandmother 
for $64,000. Did you know they once sold um, uh, used airline peanuts, used, uh, used peanuts from a defunct airline, and um, it was like 9 to 12 months after, uh, <laughs> after the expiration date of these peanuts. And it literally said, like, you know, like, whatever. I, I, whatever, I, so, whatever yeah. the, you know, whatever, you know, Freedom Air, or what? I, that's not the name of the company, but whatever the name of the, the old airline like it was some regional airline that had gone out of business, and they said that they would, you know, a guy would be like, ah, "I'll take a bag of nuts," and you know, it's whatever, seven dollars, and uh, they hand him, and it says whatever, Freedom Air yeah. on the bag of peanuts. And they thought That's this good. would just be like looked over. Or my, nobody cares. my favorite just, thing. It does because it's so much that yes, you forget right. all of it. Yeah. My favorite thing is the DEA, which is just like, that's right. reserved for Walter White. Right. Uh, yes. Breaking yes. Bad, which is a show I know we've all watched. Uh, yes. That's just fantastic. That is correct. Yeah. So you don't have to worry about that here. Yeah. No, thank God. All, all right. 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 Steven's well, telling us to move on. I guess we'll get back yeah. to. Steven's a fan of. Yes, Steve is, uh, Steven is, of course, a fan of America's team, the Jaguars. We'll All get right. back to Eagles Niners here. Devontae Smith also makes the love mm. list. So two wide receivers in this game on the love list. Devontae Smith comes in as wide receiver 15 this week, Matthew. And you said it, as soon as Dallas Goddard got hurt, that sucks for Goddard. It sucks for the Eagles. But if you have Devontae Smith, this might revitalize him in fantasy, and it has. Two games without Goddard this year. He's averaging over 19 fantasy points per game. He's averaging 102 receiving yards a game. He's got a 32% target share. Almost 33. It's 32.7% target share. So in a game in which we expect them to be able to move the ball against San Francisco because teams facing the Niners this year averaging over 22 wide receiver targets per game. That's third most of the NFL. You have to throw against San Francisco. And I think, obviously, because we've talked about this, we like Brock Purdy in this game. We like the Niners offense going against a struggling Eagles defense. We expect a lot of points to be scored. So, yeah, you're obviously already starting A.J. Brown, but it should be another big game for Devontae Smith on the other side of the ball opposite yeah. San Francisco. Yeah, and without Dallas Goddard, this is the team that I think is probably has the greatest concentration of usage to three players, where it's, yeah. just, like, it's just A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, and DeAndre Smith. Like, there's, mm-hmm. there's no one else. Like, it's just everything goes through them and will continue to. And this is a game where I think that they're going to need to be throwing, to your point. So it should be a big game for Devontae Smith, even if they don't win. Our final pass catcher, and of course, also from this game, George Kittle, Jay, as we often have said on this show, especially from Matthew's mouth, Start your tight ends against the Eagles. George Kittle comes in as tight end, too. Yep. Start them doubly so this week because Zach Cunningham, uh, he looks like he is going to miss. The Eagles is quietly banged up on defense. Fletcher Cox also did not practice yesterday. Uh, and already, they weren't very good against tight ends. Uh, so I suspect that Kittle is very well positioned to have a good game. And just anecdotally as well, it feels like Kittle... Like, they kind of use him more in the bigger games. It's like what Andy Reid is doing with Travis Kelsey, where he's scaling back his usage, and then all of a sudden against Philly on Monday Night Football, he ramps up to 91% of the snaps. I wouldn't be surprised if we see the same thing from Kittle, where he's a guy they want to manage throughout the year, but you really let him loose in this game. And it's exactly what you just talked about with Brandon Ayuk, Jay, a few few minutes ago. Like, again, the middle of the field against Philadelphia, and start your tight ends against Philadelphia as well. Eagles have allowed a touchdown to a tight end in three of the past four games. Five of the six tight ends that have seen at least six targets against the Eagles this year have scored at least 15 fantasy points as well. So it's a good matchup. He's a good player. He's my tight end too. And I actually, uh, that same uh, dynasty league that I was talking about, that, that I'm with all my college buddies, we can only play one tight end. It's a super flex league. You want to play two quarterbacks. But, like, I have Kelsey and Kittle in that league. I don't know who to start this week. I mean, normally it's just it's always Kelsey, but I'm thinking about Kittle this week. I have Kelsey at one because he's Kelsey. Yeah. But – I think there's a very good chance Kittle outscores him this week. Very possible. A couple others receiving votes. Calvin Ridley. Just, none of that is relevant, but I just sort of wanted to flex. <laughs> sure, sure. Again, to my college buddies that watch the show, yeah. just again. <laughs> 
I've got Kittle and Kelsey and had them for years. <laughs> Calvin Ridley, Cortland Sutton, Pop Douglas, Josh Downs, Evan Ingram, and a resurgent Pat Fryer moved on this list, Barry. Last four weeks, Arizona's a bottom 10 defense in terms of most fantasy points per game allowed to tight ends. And so, Fryermuth, who had a 34% target share last week, is a top 10 play for me as well. Look, we know how bad the Bengals are against tight ends. Fryermuth just destroyed them last week, right? So, Evan Ingram uh, makes the uh, others receiving votes here as well. Bengals allow the second most fantasy points per game to tight ends. Josh Jones, in his first game out of the bye last week, had a 32% target share. We've talked about Pop Douglas. Chargers have allowed the third most fantasy points to wide receivers this season. Uh, hopefully he gets out of the concussion protocol. Obviously, if he's not, you wouldn't love him. But if he is active for this game, I like him against the Bolts. Cortland Sutton, look, Houston has allowed four touchdowns to wide receivers in their past three games. Sutton has six straight games with an end zone target. Russ seems to always look for him when he gets close, which makes sense because if you get it within like a five-mile radius of Cortland Sutton, he comes yeah. down with it. Like he's made a couple of the most amazing catches this season. And finally, Calvin Ridley in that Monday night game against the Bengals. Four straight games with at least one end zone target. Uh, he's had five in the past two weeks. Since week six, Bengals allow the fourth most yards per game to opposing wide receivers. I think Trevor Lawrence has a big game in this in this one. And Calvin Ridley and Christian Kirk are a big part of that, yep. along with Evan Ingram. Yep. Josh Downs to me is interesting on that list just because of how bad the Titans' pass defense is, second worst in the NFL in terms of efficiency. Uh, and with Jonathan Taylor out, like they can't just run Zach Moss 40 times. They're going to have to throw a little bit, and it's going to be just Downs and Pittman. Speaking of those Titans, DeAndre Hopkins leads the hate list for pass catchers. Will Levis makes his first start. Everybody's excited. It looks great, especially for Hop and Jay ever since then. Not much going between these two. No, and Will Levis has very much come back down to earth. I think it's actually a sneakily more difficult matchup than expected against the Colts' defense, which is usually not very imposing. But the Titans' offensive line is just so meek at the moment. And now they get a Colts team that quietly has developed a pretty solid pass rush. Samson Ebricam coming in has really helped them. DeForest Buckner is still there too. And they're just they're forcing turnovers. And I think Will Levis is, is not afraid to turn the ball over. And Hopkins may suffer. Even in the big first game where he had all the touchdowns, he still only had a handful of receptions. In fact, he's had four or fewer receptions in all five games that Levis has started. So I, I'm with you. He hasn't that first game where he had the monster game. That's the only game that he's gone over 60 receiving yards with Levis under center as well. I'm with you that the the Colts are underrated here. He's my wide receiver 28. So just merely a touchdown dependent wide receiver three this week. Matthew, on yesterday's show, you talked about how it might be time to close it out on Puka Nakua. He makes yeah. the hate list and comes in as wide receiver 30 against the Browns. Since week six, he's had one game, literally one game with more than five receptions, under 50 receiving yards in three of the past four for Nakua. And now you're facing the Browns defense. So I just, no thank you on Puka Nakua. He comes in at wide receiver 30. I want to see it again before I trust him back in my lineup. And then our last one, Drake London. Jay, we talked about the, at best, shakiness of Desmond Ritter. That has deeply affected Drake London all season. He just makes it into Matthew's top 40 wide receivers. Yeah, not ideal. A terrible matchup against the Jets and their two elite cornerbacks. And also the Jets, we talked about this yesterday, they're struggling a little bit more against the run. If Arthur Smith ever needs an excuse to run the this ball more and more, uh, he will take it. All right. You know what's interesting about Drake London? So he's a guy with two first names and two last names. London a first Is London? I've never met somebody named London. My daughters have a friend named London. Is that right? Yeah. She's wow. a 12-year-old girl. Yeah. Lives All in right. the neighborhood. All right. Fair play. There you go. <laughs> you called I'm it. Right. I can't dispute saying. that. Right. I know. You wouldn't think so. But yeah. yeah. Is, uh, yeah. Don't mind it. Yeah. Parents British? No. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's good. No. And a little. <laughs> What's interesting <laughs> yes. is, is the, no, the parents aren't British and the parents have 
there are um, they have four kids. Yeah. And the other, I mean, um, it's uh, London, Paris, New York, and Tokyo. No, no, it's <laughs> like it's it's Nick, it's Lexi, it's Brayden, and London. Okay. So no, maybe, I mean, like it's all, you know, maybe three. The next year uh, will be called Tokyo. Yeah. Um, anyway, she's a lovely young woman. She's a lovely young woman. The girls like her, you know, everything like that. We like the parents. So, anyway, um, but anyway, just so you know, yes, London is a first name. Drake London, man of two first names, two last names, as he said. Always a crowd pleaser. Yes, absolutely. All right, quarterbacks. Love, hate quarterbacks. We start with Tua. Tua comes in as QB3 against the Commanders. Uh, I mean, sorry, Matthew, but we just got to make you talk about this all the time. The commander's secondary. It's great for the pass catchers, great for the quarterbacks. Tua headlines the quarterbacks love. It's great for fantasy managers. Dolphins have the highest implied team total this week of 30. Four of the the past five quarterbacks that face the commanders have scored 22 fantasy points. And since week eight, no team in the NFL allows touchdown passes at a higher rate in the NFL than my beloved Washington commanders. And this one's a weird one, but I'll just – I don't remember the last time Ron Rivera coached a defense. That, Ron Rivera is going to coach the defensive plays. Like for for all the struggles that uh, Jack Del Rio had, at least he was you know doing it every week. Like when was the last time I couldn't tell you when the last time Ron Rivera actually had to call plays in a game as a defense coordinator. I I don't necessarily think it's going to be an upgrade here, especially given uh, what they're working on as well. So yeah, Tua is my QB three this week. The next one, Jay, you'll like to hear this. Brock Purdy, he oh, comes yes. in as QB6. He talked about his strengths kind of fitting against this Philadelphia defense. Yep. And look, I think Brock Purdy's going to have a really good game because of the matchup, because of how much the Philly secondary has struggled. But this is a big game for Brock. There's no hiding if he has a bad game in this one because this game has been built up. Everyone is expecting the Niners to win. I expect they'll win. I expect he'll play well. But a lot of pressure on Brock in this one. Who He's not played in a lot of big games, and all eyes are going to be on this matchup on Sunday afternoon. Our final one here, Trevor Lawrence, Matthew, he's got the Bengals. He comes in as QB7. Great back-to-back stretch here for Trevor Lawrence. That has also started to use his legs a little bit, but is getting it done through the air. Since week seven, uh, Cincinnati is allowing a league-high 9.1 yards per pass attempt for the past five quarterbacks to face the Bengals. Have scored at least uh, 18 fantasy points as well. And so you mentioned it, back-to-back 20-point games with Trevor Lawrence. His three best fantasy games have come in the past five weeks. Finally seeming to, you know... Uh, look like Trevor Lawrence as we see him running against the Saints from that Thursday night game a few weeks ago here as well. So he's gotten a couple rushing touchdowns over the last uh, couple of weeks as well. So T-Law, as I like to call him. Yeah, this should be a good game for him. He's my quarterback seven this week. A couple others receiving votes. Sam Howell comes in as a top ten play. Same with Russell Wilson against the Texans and then Jared Goff against the Saints. Jay could be a viable streaming option as QB 12 here. Yeah, Jared Goff, who will look to bounce back from that atrocious performance on Thanksgiving against the Saints defense that is missing Marshall Lattimore on IR and doesn't seem super imposing at the moment. It's a big game for Russell Wilson. A lot of hype around Russell Wilson at the moment. I don't think he's playing like phenomenally well. I think he's playing fine. He's managing games, but against the Texans defense that is improving, we'll see how he does there. And then Sam Howe, just through volume alone uh, and what should be a passing game script, should get there. Jared Goff is always really good when he has a clean pocket. Saints, 28th in pressure rate over the last month as well. You mentioned no Marshawn Lattimore. The game's on the road, but it's in a dome where Goff usually performs Cameron well. Cameron Jordan also banged up and may not play. Which is, which is nice. Last four weeks, Texans allow over 21 fantasy points per game to quarterbacks. We expect C.J. Stroud at home to have another big game, so Russ is going to have to throw, I think, to keep up with C.J. Stroud. And future Hall of Famer Sam Howell in the preseason, this man, this man right here, go, go wide, go wide, Trisha, because, yeah, this man right here, I want to I see, this man called me 
This man uh, called me Travis Homer because of my <laughs> exactly in love uh, no of Sam Howell. And as we sit here, as we enter week 13, Sam Howell is the seventh best quarterback in fantasy yep. in terms of total points. Yep. No, I'll eat crow on that one. I'll eat crow on that one. Sam Howell's been, uh, he's been voluminously productive. Yes. <laughs> he's, been, he's gotten there. I'm that not sure that's a really argument. a term. That was part of the argument. It was the, yeah. It's the Blake Bortles thing. I think he's better than Bortles, but I mean, yes. just like yep. it was like Blake Bortles – for all the jokes, Blake Bortles was a top 10 fantasy quarterback for a couple of years there. Blake Bortles outplayed Tom Brady in the AFC title game in Foxborough, and he got, got screwed, screwed because of the Miles Jack Miles Jack, thing. Miles Jack, 100%. Never let this game go. Should have been in the Super Bowl. I, 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 Jaguars should have played in the Super Bowl. People I 100% agree this. about that. The Miles Jack, that call was awful. And yes, and the, yes the, he, he wasn't down, and um, Jaguars should have played in the Super Bowl. They got yep. screwed. They totally did. Our quarterback hate list headlined by Geno Smith. And the worst Smith. part of it is that literally that's the only time that the Patriots have gotten a call in Foxborough. <laughs> like, what are the odds? That's right. What are the, the chances the of that? A rare time. They've had some the Billy Cundiff miss as well, that kick oh. from Baltimore. They've gotten some really lucky in the Patriots a lot of times. Some time, Billy Cundiff. But at least uh, David Tyree did make that catch. Geno Smith headlines the hate list for quarterbacks. He's QB 18. We know what the Cowboys pass rush can do, Matthew. And Gino's been banged up this year, as has Tyler Lockett. Kenneth Walker's not playing. There's just not a lot right for the Seahawks offense in a brutal matchup. The question becomes, do you think Geno Smith runs one in? Because if he doesn't run one in, you don't love it. There's only five quarterbacks that have scored at least 17 fantasy points against the Cowboys this year, and three of them had a rushing touchdown or at least 50 rushing yards. And I just don't know that I see that for Geno. It's always possible. But only two quarterbacks, this is a crazy stat, only two quarterbacks have thrown for even 230 yards against the Cowboys this season as well. And so Gino, who doesn't really play well under pressure, right? He's 27th in yards per pass attempt when he's pressured. Well, guess what? Who leads the NFL in pressure rate? It's obviously it's Micah Parsons and the Dallas Cowboys. So even in a game, even in a week in which there are six teams on a bye, I have Geno Smith outside my top 15. And in a negative game script, which should in theory work for Geno, it's just Yep. I'm just not seeing it. I'm not excited about him tonight. This Geno era in Seattle, I don't think they've ever beaten a really good team. And they just seem to play very much to the level of competition. I think that with that offensive line, uh, I think that the Cowboys should be teeing off on him tonight. Our final one, Jay, Matthew Stafford. He comes in as QB 21 for Matthew. He has not had a game where he's thrown for more than 231 passing yards since week four. Yeah, which is just the, strange. The injury, but also when he's been healthy, too. Yeah, and there's been some, like, he would have gone over that against the Cardinals if they needed to throw in the fourth quarter. But against this Cleveland defense, I think he's a very defense-dependent quarterback because he can't really move that much back there. And with Miles Garrett, it looks like he will go. Brown's coming off a loss. Expect that that will give them his best game. Cleveland's allowed one or fewer touchdown passes in eight of 11 games so far this year. The only quarterbacks that have scored even 14 points against Cleveland have all scored a rushing touchdown, which is not really a big part of Stafford's game. I know he had the monster game last week, but yeah, outside my top 20 this week in a week in which there's six teams on a bye. It was hard to find quarterbacks to hate this week, got to be honest with you. So I know, not the greatest list, but... I'm doing what I can over there. We're taking one last break. When we're back, Kevin Chan is with me. We'll be doing what we can for last call. Best bets, Thursday Night Football. Did you know Bridgestone developed a tire using 75% recycled and renewable materials? Making a difference today for future generations. That's what really matters. Bridgestone, solutions for your journey. Visit whatreallymatters.com to learn more. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? 
if you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. It's one thing falling in love with a house, picturing yourself moving in and calling it home, and quite another navigating the world of price negotiating, mortgage lenders, and finding the budget that works best for you. An agent who's a Realtor can make understanding that world easier. Realtors have the expertise, access to proprietary data, and tools to help you get from imagining living somewhere to actually doing it. That's the kind of help we can provide. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Don't forget on DraftKings Sportsbook, this season new customers can bet $5 and pocket $150 in bonus bets instantly. Plus, all customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay every day. Download the app and use the promo code BERRY when you sign up. DraftKings Sportsbook, the crown is yours. It is time for last call, and we have the most bet player props for Thursday Night Football, courtesy of DraftKings, starting with Dak Prescott passing touchdowns. Over one and a half, but that's at minus 220 now. CeeDee Lamb receiving yards over 84 and a half. Brandon Cooks receiving yards over 40 and a half. Tony Pollard rushing yards over 62 and a half. Dak Prescott alternate passing yards 250 plus. That's minus 280. Jay, it looks like uh, the public public doesn't care about the juice. (laughs) The public is in on Dallas. It's uh, remarkable. That's fine. I'll go a little more northwest. I'm going to the Seahawks side. Taking Jackson Smith in Jigba, your man, over 43.5 receiving yards. Here's why. Cowboys, outside corners. Deron Bland, who's become a defensive player of the year candidate. Stephon Gilmore, who's won defensive player of the year in the past. They are elite. Jordan Lewis in the slot, not so elite. He's one of the weakest slot corners in the league, and he's someone who people really target. Think about what Curtis Samuel did last week, Matthew. And so Jackson Smith and Jigma lines up in the slot as time. He's gotten at least 36 yards his past seven games, so I think that he'll go over 43.5 tonight in a game where Seattle will need to throw. What about you, Matthew? I like that call. I like that call. It's a great call. Uh, Well, listen, you you heard me earlier that Zach Charbonnet is on the hate list, so I'm going under 74.5 rushing and receiving yards. Only three running backs this entire year have gone over that number, and one of them was Christian McCaffrey. So, again, just I think they'll try to get him involved, but we talked about this. He played on only 54% of the third downs last week as well, so it's really like half the third down work, and, and, and we expect the negative game script. They're almost 10-point underdogs here. So I think they'll be throwing a lot, and so give me the under on 74-and-a-half. Again, they, he hasn't even gotten, uh, you know, Dallas has allowed more than 78 scrimmage yards to running backs only twice this entire year. So give me the under on 74.5 for Charbonnet. I'm looking at Rico Dowdle over 18.5 rushing yards. Uh, Dallas obviously expected to have a pretty big lead in this game. And Dowdle, when you look at his usage, the last three weeks he's averaging about seven, uh, seven carries or more than seven carries per game. This is kind of one of those ones where if Dallas goes up big, I think they want to run Tony Pollard into the line over and over again in the second half. 18.5, it's a pretty feasible mark for Dowdle. Save Pollard for Philly on Sunday Night Football right. the week after. Yeah, yeah, after a go. short week. You guys should parlay all those at DraftKings with promo code Barry. Hey, it's closing time. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here for Jay, for Connor, for myself, and Kevin Chan. <laughs> Peace out. While no one knows what tomorrow may bring, Bridgestone is working toward a more positive outlook. With innovations like developing a tire using 75% recycled and renewable materials. It's just one of the many ways Bridgestone is making a difference today, for generations to come. Because that's what really matters.
Bridgestone, solutions for your journey. Visit whatreallymatters.com to learn more. There are any number of reasons you might consider selling your home. To move closer to family, live within a smaller budget, or just wanting a change of scenery. Whatever your reasons, having to figure out all the various housing market trends in your area may not be what you signed up for. That's where an agent who is a Realtor comes in. Realtors have the expertise to help you find the right price and navigate the process to sell your home in a way that's right for you. That's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors.